Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with Mark Travis from Uncharted Alaska Distillery here in Ketchikan. And uh, in the future home of, what's the new place called? Alaska Legends Cider and Winery. Yeah. So when you started the distillery, you guys bought a, was it 70-year-old firehouse in March of 2020? Yep. Talk about timing. How did that work out? We uh, we started we started the purchase process right before March of 2020. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like December, November, December of 2019, and then we got everything finalized March of 2020, and then a week after we finalized everything, that lovely 2020 thing hit us. <laughs> How did that affect the whole process? There had to have been a couple of times where you thought, all right, well, we're still going to go through with it. Are you adjusting plans? Are you thinking, hey, maybe we should put this on ice? Or what well, was that like? I think everything was only supposed to last two weeks. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. And then it, it kind of continued. And then uh, they, we still had hopes that ships were going to come in. And then uh, they once they canceled, I know uh, Mark and I both decided that we were going to kind of make it a nighttime project. So we had uh, both good day jobs at the time. So mm-hmm. this made it a uh, – probably drove our wives crazy, but we just made it a evening project for, mm-hmm. shoot, like about a year and a half or something like that. We we had plenty of time, but then uh, once things started rolling again, it was like a wake-up call, like, oh, mm-hmm. it's no longer a fun nighttime project. Now we're going to have to, you know – start trying to make some money with this Got to do it. Mm-hmm. Why the firehouse? Uh, so Travis and I spent a lot of time walking different buildings downtown, trying to find something that was, you know, kind of unique, but also structurally able to fit all the equipment we needed. Right. We wanted something that was big enough that we could do the, pr- pr- you know, production, but we also wanted something that was, had the, I don't know what you call it, but something that people wanted to come in and sit and mm-hmm. have a have a good evening. Yeah. And so after looking at I don't know, how many how many different places do we go through? Man, <coughs> the biggest issue for us was the weight of our equipment. Yeah. Like and catch cans built on boardwalks, yeah. and uh, the pilings downtown <laughs> are sometimes not the most. Stable. We had a we had a couple people offer us some space down on creek street which would have been super cool mm-hmm. but after looking at all the weight for everything we'd bring down we had some people saying yeah that boardwalk's not gonna yeah. <laughs> we're gonna be in the creek yeah yep. so we uh we're he and i were walking down main street here and we both kind of stopped right in front of the old fire station and we're like well, they're not doing anything with this building let's go let's go talk to them yeah and so that's kind of how we got the whole process going. It's a great spot, great location, and then you can – it's uniquely Ketchikan, which is a cool thing. I think sometimes when you're trying to create a business in Ketchikan and it looks like you just went to, like, Google Ketchikan type stuff rather than have, like, a unique – this is part of the community. This is definitely unique. This is going to be a great space for growth, too. Uh, I think you guys hit it out of the park with that. That was perfect. Well, the cool thing about that building, too, is that there is – so many people that um, have a connection to that building, mm. um, not just like 
you know, people that have had family members that were firefighters or medics or anything like that. But we've had a lot of people come in. They, they remember, you know, when they're in elementary school, mm -hmm. they got to come and have a tour of the fire station. Perfect. Yeah. We've had older people come in and like, oh, I remember this when we were, they were doing, they're a contractor and they did some work on it. Mm -hmm. And so all the unique stories that go behind a building that was built in 47. Yeah, that's right, right around that time. Yeah, right around 1947. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we even have my uncle who's, was he 87 now? He remembers, mm. you know, pouring concrete around here oh, when wow. that place was going. That's awesome. Yeah, the joke, I think, of the whole thing is more alcohol was consumed in that building before it became a <laughs> distillery. <laughs> now we finally that's caught funny. up. That's funny. So when it comes to filling the inside of the building... I'm sure you've been to sports bars that just they got the cheapest stuff on eBay for like here's a jersey of Joe Montana and a, it just random stuff from sports stuff <laughs> paid for by someone who doesn't really know sports and so it doesn't have a unique homies type type feel. So how'd you decide what to fill the environment with? Mostly so, on my office, right? I yeah. mean like I was a fire chief or at the airport at the time and <clears throat> I had been getting donations from other fire chiefs and we we're like, oh, we're in a fire department. What's this? You know, it's a inexpensive way to decorate the building. And our goal was to do this Alaska theme out there. We wanted to make it an Alaska distillery. We have all these tourists coming up here that want to see Alaska. And we totally had a 180 it because people weren't here to because it was Alaska. Uh, I mean, they're here for you. It's Alaska, but they wanted also to see the fire department side of it. Mm. So. Instead of doing like, uh, you know, our bear or whale and stuff like that, people are asked to say, hey, my brother, my cousin, whatever is a firefighter down in New York or California. They want a sweatshirt or mm -hmm. something that says fire department and Alaska in it. So like last year, we had a 180, this sucker. And then we started uh, reaching out to the community and asking them for like, hey, like we'll buy whatever you guys got off of you to decorate this thing to make it mm -hmm. Alaska, Alaska Fire Fire Department. So our biggest complaint is we don't have a fire pole because <laughs> the museum walked away with our fire yeah. pole, and it's been our, like, uh, last three years we've been trying to fight for getting a pole back. Put in yeah, it. we got to find an old fire station and get that pole. But I think a lot of, you know, we have some recently fire retired firefighters, and they've uh, they've donated – and hang, hung their helmet on the wall. Mm -hmm. So we have a couple of those. Um, a retired fire chief, uh, Paul Perry, during the construction, he would we'd have the doors open, and he would stop down and visit with us all the mm -hmm. time. I think at least once a week he was oh, yeah. One down, of the biggest. down hanging out. Mm -hmm. And then randomly when we opened, one day he walked in and basically gave it, you know, when, a lot of the old firefighters retired, they uh, would give them a golden axe mm. with, you know, the emblems and a, kind of a plaque with it. And he came down and set it on top of the bar and says, this needs to be hung up here. It looks better down here. And so nice. that's how we got his. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So you had two with COVID and then with, I want to say rebranding, but like finding something that really matched the, what, what people wanted. Pretty hard curveballs. Was there anything else that uh, that was pretty tough about the business thing or the ordering? I know. When so, yeah. So when we when 2020 hit, uh, he and I were talking about, you know, we're still going to go through with this no matter what. Um, 
But then the reason why we drug it out is when we started looking for glassware, we started mm -hmm. calling for glass bottles. A lot of the manufacturer companies are like, we're not going to have anything for six months or yeah. longer. And so finally, when we <clears throat> got our projected open date, we ordered a bunch of glass bottles and it took six months. Yep. Every step of the way was a snag. Mm -hmm. Starting with COVID, like you're saying, then glass, then product, getting up like the, the grain that takes the, um, the spirits and stuff like that. Everything. We, we had a, a trail or a train line shutdown. Oh. And all of our product was getting set up from um, Illinois. Illinois. No, I mean, it got stuck in yeah. Illinois. Mm -hmm. It started down in Indiana, but it got to Chicago. And they had a big railroad strike. And this oh, was man. about three weeks before the first ship, so a month before the first ship. And so all of us, uh, the three partners, are just sweating. We're mm -hmm. like, we're, we're not going to be able to have anything to sell. You know, at one point, it's just, you know, all these little hiccups we had, you know, I think in the very beginning we were pretty stressed about it, but then like all these little ones and mm -hmm. little ones, it's just pretty soon it's just like, yeah, it's a next one. Next one. It's another thing. Yeah. We live in a unique place. It's just like, you know, Jeff, it's just like everything else to either be flown or barged up here and it increased costs tenfold. It yeah. makes the timing yeah. so hard. You rely on Amazon and all these other yeah. shipping companies. Yeah, you can get. Mm -hmm. So the basic setup here, what type of equipment did you need? Because I'm sure you can't just go online and try to get, or maybe is there a way that you can get uh, some of the, the equipment that you need for this process? How did you get that stuff? We got lucky because um, another distillery, local, or not local, but Alaska distillery, really kind of pointed us in the right direction. And they're a big, big company, and for them, to reach out and say like hey this is what you guys need to be looking at mm -hmm. the engineering and stuff like that we've you know we've looked at the process of it this is what you guys need to look at for your template and they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on engineering that we were able to kind oh, of like huge. step around and mm -hmm. this goes straight to and that was the other one is we got um we did our research on it and we found out that uh we went straight to the manufacturer of the company that there's always like a third party in the middle here. Mm -hmm. And they said that they would just directly deal with us since nice. we're in Alaska. And we kind of got, we've saved hundreds of thousands of dollars on that big shiny equipment that you see up there, those mm -hmm. fermenters and the still and stuff like that. And we decided that we were going to size it accordingly to be like a comfortable size or when we grow, we're not having to buy all new mm -hmm. equipment. I think a lot of um, wineries and distilleries like start off small because that's what we can afford. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they're having to just throw away all their other stuff yeah. and get bigger stuff. So we kind of, um, we started right in the middle of the road, I believe. Yeah. We, it's interesting. The, the communities of wineries, breweries and distilleries, you know, they're more, they're not, they don't look at each other as competition. Mm. They're really friendly. They're, mm -hmm. they're, Hey, what can we do to help you out? That's cool. Um, other places promote each other. I mean, it's, it's a unique, you know, kind of a unique family with all these different type of operations. And, uh, we reached out to a lot of different distilleries and they would give us the positives and negatives. 
this is our biggest question a lot of them was what would you have done differently Mm -hmm. when you were starting up and i think almost every single one of them was like don't buy too small of equipment because a lot of these guys were within the first eight to nine months they were having to repurchase everything Mm -hmm. and so that was kind of what we looked at and kind of modeled after is Mm -hmm. all right what size can we comfortably fit and still be able to grow yeah my buddy jack is one of the co-founders of uh double shovel cidery up in anchorage oh yeah and he said the they wanted to go big enough to where you didn't have to grow because as soon as you have some success if you then have to buy everything else you're just cutting right into that right off the bat so being big enough that you could handle some of those orders and then from that point maybe get more stuff um, so take me through the process of making a product you get the stuff up here you were able to save some money on engineering and, and some equipment so how does a, a bottle of gin happen well gin is basically it has to have juniper in it <clears throat> to be considered gin so um you start off and you're still uh, basically the same pr- production is uh, fermenting wine or something like that you make a low wine which is a low alcohol our goal is to take all the water out of that let's say you have a 12 percent low wine and so that other help me out with math 88 percent <laughs> you have to get rid of that yucky stuff called water mm-hmm. and you you're just trying to make it as pure as possible so in the evaporation process the alcohol molecules lighter than the water so as that steam comes up um, it hits a cooling plates and the alcohol continues basically on through the process and the water is your your slow big buddy that this is kind of not wanting it's it wants to go back to where it's warm, so he drops back down. And the alcohol is your party animal, and he this keeps on going. He's mm-hmm. going to party all night long, and he ends up in the tank, like some of us have done in the past. <laughs> and uh, then so we collect that, and then there's the heads, the um, heads, tails, and hearts that we all heard of, and or the four shots. And um, so that's the uh, different weights of the alcohol molecule we collect in different spots and our goal when we're making vodkas and um vodkas rums tequilas basically anything except for whiskey is we're um we're really aiming for that uh ethanol the hearts of the alcohol mm-hmm. so we uh we do a deep cut so we go a little bit further off of the heads and because we have a smaller operation so we go further into the hearts than probably larger like Schmierdoff would do or something like that would would want to collect as much product as possible Mm -hmm. we're collecting just kind of the the good hearts of it and it separates our alcohol because we're getting rid of a lot of the tails and um the oils and stuff like that and this collecting the the good parts of the alcohol and then when we're doing the gin it's this basically same thing but you're it's like making a, a cup of tea and we're this taking uh, floral flavoring like uh, juniper or elderflower or basically any dried um, thing that we can get our hands on and we're taking that alcohol steam and we're sending it through that and it's just flavoring just like you would make a cup of earl gray tea at home okay and where do you get that stuff initially well mark and i and jack we started off by going out to the bogs <laughs> around here north point higgins okay. school nice and um 
luckily we have children with little tiny fingers because I don't know if you've seen those little bog <laughs> juniper berries yeah, around yeah. here, yeah. but they're tiny and they are surrounded by little prickly mm. um, leaves. <laughs> so collecting that stuff is takes little little fingers to do, but we're trying to keep as much like Alaska rose and stuff like that. We're trying to keep as much price. It's impossible though for how much, um, how much you need. So, yeah. so a lot of it's ordered. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to have the uh, at least a little bit of a local thing. Some people just look at the margins. What's the cheapest stuff that we can get here so that we can make a lot of stuff and make as much money as possible? And you can you can sense that in the business, in the quality of the product and everything. But that attempt to make it as, as quality as possible, as local as possible, I think really it it's pretty obvious. Yeah, our, our goal is to kind of have a local flair on everything that we do between the winery, cidery, and the distilleries to kind of have like our our own flavor to it so how long does that process take start to finish we're at all right we're, we're constantly cooking so uh it's probably like a total of three weeks to a month to have everything start to finish and then into the bottle okay. so it's not a long process it's not like aging a, a bottle of fine red wine for 20 years or the trouble though is uh whiskey so, and like Mark was saying, like, uh, Paul and these guys are just always pushing us. Hey, when's that whiskey going to be released? When's, uh, this, you know, like, it's got to sit in there for more than a week or two. <laughs> yeah. So you're looking at three years to five years for whiskeys and we're releasing our first one. We got started right away. As soon as we got our liquor license, we ended up just putting as much, uh, sorghum whiskey and, um, and corn rye like a 70 30 mixture of corn rye into barrels so that it's just now it's a waiting game Mm -hmm. and december 1st we should be releasing our first uh about 300 bottles nice Mm -hmm. you excited nervous excited it's pretty good yes yeah (laughs) i'm not a whiskey drinker (coughs) by far but it's it's really good and then we got some tequilas we're working on that should be coming out yeah, that's kind of cool thing. Mark's a tequila drinker. I'm mm. not. I'm a whiskey drinker. He's not. <laughs> so it's like we nice. can compliment each other off of these things. And but like we both find it like you get home at the end of the day and you're just like taking small sips of the stuff and you mm. just have like no need to do any more. You're kind of <laughs> like the party pooper now on the Friday and Saturdays because you're like we're, we live around this stuff. Yeah. So. Does this open? This is the second location, which is just kind of kitty corner around. Um, when does this thing open? Is that also open on December 1st? December 1st. Yeah, it's going to be a busy day for all of us. So we got, um, we're trying to, <coughs> sorry, uh, we're trying to get more of the community events down here mm. at both of our locations. Now that we have two locations. So we're this year we're looking at Christmas parties and biz, art bazaars and stuff like that. We're limited with our license to what we can't have entertainment or anything mm-hmm. like that. So we have to get a little bit creative with what we can do in our space to draw people in. Mm-hmm. There isn't really a space in Ketchikan for that. And was there a, a part of you that thought, all right, we're going to open up an establishment that has alcohol. How do we prevent this from being like a seedy bar type? situation um not not no not to disparage anything about any of the local bars but i think definitely the uh you know the atmosphere in here is completely different um just the way we decorated lighting Mm -hmm. and 
the product type I think has brought in different clientels. Mm -hmm. Um, And we wanted something uh, downtown that was more available and available to the community. So we have people constantly calling us, hey, can we use this space for this? Can we, you know, we're doing the winter arts stuff down here. Um, You know, we have first city players using the distillery for stuff. And so we wanted it more so, you know, it's, it brings more local traffic in as well. Mm -hmm. The community meeting piece is, is a huge one too. That kind of, especially this time of year. So it's not just something that is open, very limited during the winter. Cause that's gotta be a concern. Mm-hmm. Obviously you can make a lot of money during the summer with all the traffic, people coming through 14,000 people a day on some days off the cruise ships, but during the winter it can be a little bit more difficult. So that, that angle is pretty, it's, it's pretty trickier in the winter time. Um, we, we get creative on what we can do. I mean, like I said, our license limits us on a lot of things, but we've gotten creative on, you know, using the space uh this winter we have uh, santa's the kitchen opening up in the mm-hmm. distillery so we'll have food up there um, like in the distillery or like next to it or in the distillery nice so she'll be serving food yeah i think that'll help out a lot for the local crowd so they can get dinner and and a drink mm-hmm. well, it help help santa out too because she was looking for a space and couldn't really find anything that would fit what she wanted to do and i think she came in and was talking with travis and he's like there you go yes take the spot i mean during especially we get number one request is food number two is like what beers do you have on tap yeah (laughs) yeah so how do you what's going to be the difference between the two locations is it going to be a pretty similar theme or what's going to be why would someone go to one over the other or why would someone want to visit both in one they're day? pretty like <clears throat> they're pretty opposite almost it's like this this location we we hired uh a new um a marketing type of design person that she was an outdoor she made like sleeping bag designs and so like an rei style mm-hmm. and uh she designed the interior layout this place so it had more of like a a warm you know hang out casual place the distillery is more of an industrial to me um firehouse and we want to play off of both themes but you're absolutely right it's like there's there needs to be a place in catch can we felt like that was kind of this like a doesn't feel like a tavern really more of a like a casual warm place to hang out best way to describe both these locations is like an adult beverage coffee shop yeah there you go I mean, that's the best description I have for, you know, kind of the atmosphere in here. You know, this, the difference between down the cidery and the distillery, I think it, one is the atmosphere and, you know, some people are really into the hard alcohols like gins and that kind of stuff. And then others want something lighter like wines and Mm -hmm. beers and ciders. And, you know, we haven't had a, to my knowledge, we haven't had a winery here in Ketchikan and so... Oh, there's very few in the state of Alaska. Our family has the other one, and, you know, it's it's kind of a unique. Your your buddy that owns Double Shovel there, it's like it's a it's a fun thing, too, because you can get real creative with mm-hmm. different ciders yeah. and wines. But um, 
it should be a fun business. Another, I know it's a fun business. I mean, I, I grew up around it. So, um, but this one will be a casual, fun place to I think hang out for people that just want to come in and have a good social event. What are the difference in the process between the cidery and the wines, and how how else? Uh, was there anything about the distillery part that kind of helped you out with this part, or was it kind of a new because different? ways of putting it together similar very similar in a lot of ways it's just um with the distillery we're doing an extra step in it we uh, when we were getting our um there's not a whole lot of knowledge for most people with like how to make alcohol so it was, it's a scary subject for city officials sometimes mm -hmm. they're like oh like is this this vessel right here this 500 gallon vessel going to explode <laughs> <clears throat> what's going to what's going to like the, the all this huge use stuff and we're like basically all we're taking is your your bottle of uh welch's grape juice and leaving it in your closet for you know three weeks with some some yeast in it and it gets old that's <laughs> that's the process of making cider and wine is this letting the letting it get old mm -hmm. letting it letting it ferment on its own yeah. um i think you know there's a lot of a lot of parts of the distillery that I think was learning curves for us up there on the processing and, you know, like transferring storage, bottling, you know, all the little ins and outs um, really, I think, helped us better perfect down here with the cider and wines. I think a lot of the little things that we learned of the distillery transferred down here and made it a lot easier. Notice that there's no TVs. Right now, um, which is not a bad thing. I, I was actually going to yeah. compliment. If you're not going to TVs, it's nice to, again, have a location where people are showing up to be with each other and hang out as a, a part of the community rather than show up to watch a game or whatnot. There's a time and place for that, and it can be fun. But So that's back on. I wish we could say it was intentional. but <laughs> No, that's <laughs> part of the uh, license restrictions for oh, okay. breweries, wineries, distilleries. They have a lot of different um, requirements that you can and can't do. Like you can't can't have seats at the bar. That's why there's no chairs at the bar. Right. Can't have live entertainment. That's why if we have an event down here, it's we're completely closed and it's catered from uh, another company that has a catering permit. Gotcha. Yeah. You can say that uh, it, you didn't want it anyway, even if you could, right? <laughs> exactly. Like value community and yeah. relationships and friendships. It's good. I love it. Yeah, we'll put I that think on the door. There's a, I was reading an article. I can't remember where it is, but there's a, there's a kind of like a restaurant. It's almost similar to this, but it's like a restaurant. But they have lockers at the front door that you're required to leave your phone. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, it, it, I can't remember the name of it, but it was an interesting concept how they have is like, you know, disconnect from technology kind of thing. Yeah, that would be the next thing, because if you don't have a TV, you can still check the scores, you can yeah. still have stuff open, but yeah, mm -hmm. that's, no, that's um, one of the big things about getting through the winter series, just having stuff to do, mm -hmm. and uh, the winter arts fair, and, and uh, uh, wearable art, and all that stuff, you just have to have those community things. Basketball is huge too, and that's, a lot of it is just get outside and see some people it's just dark and it's wet and it could be uh pretty rough yeah anytime i know he and i anytime it's decent out we try getting outside at least mm -hmm. uh, we do construction as well and so on those nice days we're usually outside doing something yeah yep 
I grew up on the Kenai, so it was a lot more dry weather. And yeah. So it was a, this is a new, for the last 15 years, just kind of getting used to being inside more than normal. But the kids seem to fare pretty well for this. And hopefully hopefully it helps us out because people want to be inside having a drink instead of uh, being out in the rain possibly. So. Yeah, that's the. I got some buddies in Fairbanks too, and it's dark for a long time, and it's super cold. But at least you can see blue sky, mm-hmm. and you can see the sun. I thought, well, I kind of like it when it's a little warm. You know, <laughs> if it's negative thirty, you can't do anything. So, but yeah. he says no. You just put on a lot of clothing, and you can go out check trap lines and whatnot. All right, but it's still it's still brutal cold. That Forty-one is. and rainy. I'll take that. But mm-hmm. I remember being up there before, and it was we were up there for a basketball trip stepped off the plane it was like negative 30 no no well one of the things that i hated most about that was like driving the vans oh yeah. you're driving the kids around Square and wheels you can't you can't do anything um about the ice in those areas mm-hmm. they can't put down the ice melt or anything it's not going to do anything and so you're just driving on ice for months and months and you get this rental van you got the kids and who's got the ox cord and what music are we listening to i'm just like <laughs> hey all right but just calm it down a little bit here. Coach Lund has to drive. This is uh, it's brutal. Can't oh, imagine yeah. doing that. Well, then it's, I mean, you've been to those trips too when you're leaving the gym. And, all right, kids, everybody push the van. We're buried in. <laughs> we brutal. came out of, we were on one of the anchors trips, and we came out of the gym. And, of course, I had the big van. The other coach had the smaller van that got around a lot easier. But it had dumped a foot and a half since we were playing. Yeah. And it was Pushing the van halfway up the driveway. Mm-hmm. We had I didn't a, have to, at least. <laughs> <laughs> we had a, a trip to Cake when I was a junior or a sophomore, and we were renting the. There was a school van, and we got off the ferry. And as we're going up the hill by the school, it was just spinning. There were chains on the tires, but it was raining on top of the ice. And then van just loses it and start just sliding backwards into the ditch. So we've been in Cake for twenty minutes. Already put the van in the ditch. Just horrible. Had to get up to the school hiking up there. It's, do you play sports in the? Kenai, I did, right? but I played up in Homer for okay baseball and football and stuff. And everything was you drove there though. Yeah, here it's a very unique. Oh. My kids are in high school now, and they're learning that you have to take a ferry to or fly. Mm-hmm. I mean, my kids probably have more air miles than I do. <laughs> Yeah. That's one of the things I miss about coaching is the miles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. MVP gold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's unique, too, because, like, you know, not just for, like, business-wise, unique for Southeast. Like, we're just talking now sports. Everything is unique to Southeast Alaska, mm-hmm. even compared to, you know, up in Anchorage area, you know, the Valley. Um, even Juno's got different than – basically, I, I would say Juno down. Mm-hmm. is completely unique um, for shipping, for airfare, for flying. I mean, you gotta you got to learn how to live and travel in Southeast and order and shipping. Mm-hmm. And that can be one of the good rallying points. And one of the reasons why these communities are so strong is that, you know, you grew up staying at the school in Wrangell or in, mm-hmm. in Petersburg or something or being housed out at someone's <laughs> house. I remember – over here for wrestling, I got housed out at, at uh, Fama's place, and now yeah. I'm teaching with yeah, Fama. Yeah. You know, it just, like, comes full circle, and I remember um, just you may have those memories. And so, like, your high school isn't just your high school. It's kind of all of Southeast because oh, yeah. you spent so much time together, and that makes it 
it makes it that much more tragic when something bad happens, like the slides up and wrangle. It just you know, yeah. rips your heart out. Um, but also, again, a good way to and a reason to live here. When people ask about why we live here, why we endure all that winter, it's like, well, it's it can be a really, really good, healthy place. Yeah, hundred percent. You have to have community support. I mean, we don't see that as much any longer. I don't think housing out. No, housing stories kinda, about yeah, housing kind of went away after COVID. But you get the long term, like Jeff saying, long term family relationships that mm-hmm. have extended from you. I've got friends that I've met. Like, not just here, but we used to go down to Rupert a lot for sports. And so, like, several years in a row, I'd stay at the same family down in Rupert. And, you know, the coach down there was, he was a great guy. But, I mean, it's just, you build all these relationships from traveling in sports and staying either at the school or with housed, you know, housed out. And I think, you know, that part of what makes Southeast, Southeast, um, but the other thing too is that like a lot of these communities are just they're great communities to be in because everybody kind of lends a hand and helps mm-hmm. um and it's those areas that like you can let your kids be outside and not worry about it i remember he and i both lived in phoenix Ooh. for a long time yeah when we when we were younger we didn't have kids but i remember it's like i don't know why like you wouldn't be i mean it's just different yeah it's really helped out actually for our distribution we found out it's like all these uh small communities because we're trying to stay in the southeast alaska right now but like we will have a meeting and say like hey we gotta go wrangle who do we know yeah you know especially when you're a small business we don't have money to be you know staying at the marriott and wrangle or the (laughs) the ritz carlson yeah and uh so it's like who do you know mark thankfully it's related to half the community so it's like Oh, I'm related to this person in Juno, so you're going there, and I have a friend in this community, so I'll go there. And it's mm-hmm. a lot of couch surfing on distribution right now, but it's the only way we can really uh, financially grow our business at this point. Yeah. And what's nice is that the first year and a half, we were really stuck to, you know, providing and selling in Ketchikan. Um, I think we're carried out a majority of almost all the liquor stores. I hope so, yeah. I think we're all the liquor stores now, a lot of the bars. And now we're starting to branch outside of Ketchikan because we went and did a couple events before in Juneau and in Sitka. And, you know, they keep hearing about us. I don't know if that's because the first year we're open, all the boats that were coming up, they're like, where are you going, Juno? Here, go put this at the oh, <laughs> distillery. Nice. Perfect. Yeah, free stickers. Free stickers. You got to go drop the stickers off at a certain distillery. But, um, yeah, so as soon as we started branching out, everybody had already heard about us. And so now we're starting to distribute in these areas, and we've had a lot of good feedback. Mm-hmm. Nice. So. So what's next? You got the big opener here on December 1st. Uh, whiskey comes out on December 1st. Um, next year, two years, three years. Do you have a plan, uh, growth? Just um, We're trying to hit all the alcohols. That's <laughs> our goal. It's, yeah, we like having a, a good product, but it's also fun to have them all. Mm-hmm. So, And we have the capability of doing it. So we're going to uh, try to – we got a tequila, like Mark's saying, we're releasing really soon. Uh, whiskey, you've – first of december and then i think what's next is going to be rum and uh then 
it really kind of makes a full bar up there at the mm -hmm. distillery. Like you can pretty much order anything and um, then distribution, of course. But uh, we're lucky in Alaska. We're a distribution. We're legally allowed to distribute ourselves. Uh, a lot of places don't allow distribution. You have to use a, a company to distribute. But so we're focusing on Alaska. We'll get into Anchorage and Fairbanks in January. We revamped our whole bottle look. Uh, we have 14 pallets of bottles coming up here with no storage area. So <laughs> if anyone's listening to this and has extra storage <laughs> space at their house. And wants know. to help pack boxes. Yeah. So we're going to do a more of a commercial look. We found out right away. We, we reached out to the bars and the liquor stores and said, what would make us stand out better? And they're like, You're, the ball is beautiful. It's got this big killer wheel or a bear on it. But you can't see it next to all the other vodkas up there because it's a clear bottle. Mm. So Casey, uh, uh, our designer here, she uh, designed a bottle so that um, it will stand out on the shelves now. And that's, I think, a lot of it. It's like it's got to pop. It's got to come out. I know when I go buy beer or ciders and stuff like that, the grocery store, if I see something that really this pops something out. Shiny. Something yeah. shiny. Something shiny. Yeah. I mean, that goes with most of us guys, really. It's, it's shiny. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's funny because everybody kind of laughs at Travis and I because, you know, every year they come down, like, all right, what are you guys doing this year? I don't know. We're, yeah. we're just going to. Five LLCs the last two years. <laughs> wow. We have an e-bike company now. Oh, nice. So that's going to, hopefully we're going to do that in the summertime because that has been a big request that, um, we, we ordered all the e-bikes trying to hit this summer season, but it just shipping and logistics of it didn't get up here till the end. So we're kind of waiting. Tell them about our insurance. Oh yeah. That was the other thing is that, uh, we found, we got to find, we were going to rent the e-bikes out of this location down here, the cider company. We had an area set up in the corner just to, you know, since we're down here anyway, we might as well, while we're doing construction, might as well rent e-bikes. Mm -hmm. Well, apparently the insurance company does not think it's wise to rent e-bikes with alcohol mm. which looking back on it i can see why yeah, now I, yeah that's uh that, that, can make that well, they said we will but this is gonna be your price yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're yeah, like, yeah. so they gave oh, us okay. they gave us the price and it was like oh that's why we should probably find a different area mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we're gonna look for a different spot to do the rentals out of so we got that one going um uh, you know it, it we, he and i pretty much work every day together and we always come up with something mm -hmm. different okay hey, we wouldn't, this, wouldn't this be nice we were worried about the winter like we were talking earlier if being dead and not having anything to do which that's why we started construction and it was quite the opposite actually we found that we're so dang busy with uh, making alcohol and stuff like that that we still are doing a lot of construction but um but it's definitely busy enough us doing this stuff for a living Where'd you both figure out all your entrepreneurial, because a lot of times people have ideas, but they don't know what to do with it or where to start. Was it, um, did you take a, a class, podcast, books, like what's been the best to help you go down those we entrepreneurial think it's like avenues? Drinking out of a fire hose. We just freaking just go for it. Come with an idea and uh, we sit around the desk a lot back in our own government days and uh, <laughs> be like, hey, this is a good idea and let's let's just and then it's too easy a business license and llc we found out that's been our the, probably our uh 
the worst thing that happens is it's so easy to sign up for an LLC and a business license. So I think a lot of it too is that he and I spent a lot of time like every day talking over the mm -hmm. ins and outs of like the distillery or the winery, you know, the ideas behind it. And so we just sit there and just brainstorm, brainstorm and it just page after page after page after page. And then, you know, I think he and I play off each other very well because we're both, I mean, both so supportive of each other. And then we go home to our wives and say, hey, this is what we want to do. They shake our head and say, oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> They've given up. But they're, it's, they're uh, great support for us. Mm -hmm. They kind of keep us focused on the business aspect though it's like it's easy to come up with the i mean not easy but you come up with these ideas and stuff like that but there is so much more to it the federal government has to do we have to deal with ttb the um dec that and basically any acronym out there we're dealing with we cover the whole alphabet and so like the thought of starting up a a bike company or a winery and stuff like that it sounds like a great idea but then it's like logistically you really have to spend a lot of time on the paperwork and both mark and i have found team members that are kind of that's their strength our wives are stronger of course in that than we are um we hired people to do that it's basically we're getting 10 cents for every dollar but at the same time we're playing off of our strengths and without these other community members that we we deal with our accountants and lawyers and stuff like that mm -hmm. we wouldn't make a go of almost any of this it would be be too much for two two three guys to handle on yeah our own. there's so much to it and i think that's what intimidates a lot of people and uh, learn you have to learn about marketing you have to learn about all these different things that you might not be really good at there's some students who we've kind of talked about right you don't have to go to a four-year school to get a degree but it might not be a bad idea to go get an AA, a two-year, and learn about some business, some marketing, things like that. So you have some sort of background to kind of go along with the idea. Because a great idea can also fail, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, and it's, you know, our biggest thing is that, you know, we we wanted to bring a product, but we didn't want to, you know, we don't want to serve a product that's not good pretty much and i honestly had never been a fan of gin until i think travis made that first batch up there and tried it and i'm like apparently this is what gin's supposed to taste like <laughs> i no, thought it, i mean i really thought softer gins yeah not grandma and grandpa's you know you stole it out of the old liquor cabinet when you're <laughs> like you're i mean i always old. thought Drinking gin was like, you know. Pine needles. Yeah, sucking on a pine tree. Punishment. Yeah. Punishment. I mean, Absolutely. it was worse than cough syrup. And so. Well, we get all these British visitors that come here and they're like, they're like, it's okay, but, you know, you need that. They pine want tree that. Smacked in your face type. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, there's, there are definitely connoisseurs that love that type. Um, but we have a, a softer, more mellow gin that you still get all the botanical flavorings out of. But it's not overpowering. It's not something that, you know... And the same thing with our vodka. Like, I've had some vodkas like ours. Like, in the past, I've had some vodkas that when you drink it, you don't get that afterburn. You're not, mm. like, making that really harsh alcohol face. Yeah. Um, but then I've, we've had some that is just... Ugh. <laughs> yeah. But 
So we wanted to make a product that people can enjoy without having mixers. Um, and I think this year we've had a lot of people try our gins and uh, have really enjoyed them. Mm -hmm. I call them our gins that it's a gin for vodka drinkers. Nice. Yeah. And so we want to make sure that everyone can enjoy gin. And it's kind of like your baby steps into becoming a real gin drinker. I we're kind of like the, uh, the crutch for becoming a, yeah. <laughs> a true We're the training wheels. <laughs> nice. Mm -hmm. So um been about an hour here, so I want to we'll let you get back to the work. I know you got a lot of stuff to do before uh, a the, the opener. So um, what's the final pitch? What? Uh, why would someone want to stop by here? Or if, if they wanted to have an event or something like that, how do they book? Uh, reach out to us on our info at aklegends.com for either location. We're uh, Facebook. Facebook and uh, basically if you during the winter time especially if you need a place to host an event and stuff like that we're trying to make it as um, community friendly as possible summers are going to be tough because I mean, it's our bread and butter with making some um, bigger income but the uh, during the winter time we want a place other than those three locations around downtown to host a little wedding or something like that or a get together yeah, and, uh, any type of event you have, um, you, they can reach out to us, and we can pretty much figure out between the two locations what's a better fit. Um, down here this wintertime, it's kind of a warm atmosphere, you know, to get out of the rain, out of the wind, out of the cold, just to sit down and have an enjoyable conversation. Uh, the cidery down here, um, people, if they want to bring in their own food, we have, we've had people bringing in their own food. Um, be a little different at the distillery with Santa being up there now, but down here at the cidery, I mean, I remember when we didn't have food, we had people, delivery people showing up. Mm. Hey, we got a delivery for this. And, no, they're not <laughs> here yet, so we'll sign for it. And people, a group would come in. Hey, did they deliver our pizza? Yeah, it's over here. That's funny. And so, you know, down here, if you want to have like a small, like little meal with a couple friends and a couple drinks. Well, that's been perfect. Yeah, because some of the restaurants will get packed, and so they'll just do a to-go order and bring it by here and enjoy it. And then we're enclosing the outdoor patio and stuff like that here in the next year, so with propane heaters and stuff. So the distillery will become a more of a even in the evening, colder evenings. We'll be able to hang out outside there. Perfect. Bounce around. Yeah. No, it's just. I think our our whole goal is just to make sure we have a good place for the community to hang out at. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks. Really appreciate it. I'm excited to, uh, for this thing to open up. We'll definitely stop by. We are too, man. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks.